0: points after further review that cbs sports network's college football theme usually was for the sec but are they doing this also now just for college football in general Oh, especially for the big 10 okay we also got on the phone lines here from friday night victor's chris schultz what's up chris hey
1: guys how you doing today good how are you, you man? okay
0: yeah yep, loud and perfectly. clear we didn't know if we the phone lines could hold two people Dave the man that got Harris. you still on the line
1: Yep, still
3: here.
0: Okay. Well, once the equipment actually works great here on College Radio. Wow.
2: It's a it's a Christmas miracle yeah. in August.
0: Yeah, that is true. It is a Christmas miracle in August. And by the way, how about we get this on here for you as we uh actually get a round of applause from from our from everybody. Here we go. Good job, fellas, and once again, welcome, Chris Schultz from Friday Night uh, Victors. And uh, what are you guys going to be talking about today?
2: Well, well we're going to be going through through a little game of this, that, or the other of the teams that we cover on the blog—sixteen of them. But before we get started, Chris- oh,
0: hold on, hold on, Chris, be honest with me: who came up with this theme? This, that, and other—was this you or Frank? That was all Frank. Okay, I thought so. This this has got Frank written all over it. Like basically it's got Frank's stench like a ran over skunk.
2: Oh Jesus
0: Christ, Derek. You know that's like out there in Ida. you guys run over skunks all the time out there on those country roads and the, without the, potholes
2: and people's dogs get sprayed by them. Exactly.
0: And okay. it's hard to get rid of that stench from the skunk. Mm-hmm. But I want I'm going to be interested to see how this game works. I'm just I'm just here
2: along for the ride, Chris. But, of course, before we okay. get started, Chris, I want to see if you know the answer to a trivia question that I asked uh, Derek and David. Mm-hmm. Who was the last college football team team to have a 3 Pete as a national champion?
1: Yeah, so yeah, I'm kind of older, so I remember a lot of the older stuff, not so much the new stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's happened any time recently. I was thinking it was a Big Ten team. Uh, pure guess, I'm going to say... Minnesota, maybe late thirties, early
2: forties. You got it right. Yes, sir.
1: There
0: you go. <laughs> oh, the, did you look that up before it? <laughs> before we did, because once again, we got to give. Uh, oh uh, man, I I, I know I, you're I, old. You said old, you're older, but come on, Chris, the late thirties and forties—that's that's your grandpappy time. But by the way, oh,
1: here's the thing, right? I mean, I, I got one foot in the grave and another one on a banana peel, and I'm slipping. So uh, I I remember the stuff from a, from a long time ago. I used to be someone who kind of just. I don't know, cherish that type of stuff. So it's weird that I would know something silly like that, but that it was kind of a guess.
0: So yeah, with leather I'll helmets. And back then, was Red Grange still with Illinois, or was he in the twenties?
2: I think Red Grange was in the twenties, and I think that time when Minnesota—I don't know if if uh, Bronco Nagurski was still there, but I also know that was a time where they didn't have indoor plumbing, even.
0: Yeah, woof, man, woof. And you can see it's almost a hundred years ago because in next in ten years we'll be in twenty thirties. Yep. Ooh, okay, let's go though. Friday night, victors.
2: Uh, Wait a minute, is
0: there wind chimes in the background?
1: Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm sitting out in my man cave area, and uh, these. Uh, my mom passed away a couple of years ago, and those are the chimes I put up for her. And so, when they play, I just uh, I go along with it. That just means she's here. So, okay. and and you guys don't mind?
2: I don't mind at all if just, she's listening a, in from above. Yeah, I just
0: it's just yeah, that this is the first time on a radio show we've actually had wind chimes in the background.
2: Yeah,
1: it's a little breezy here in Waltz, Michigan
2: today. Okay, all right, here we go, fellas. So our game of this, that, or the other—I'll ask questions about teams, teams—and uh, we'll see where it goes. I may even have a—I might even have one surprise to throw out there. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how it is. So Chris will start at the beginning of the alphabet with the Airport Jets, and what I have is Colin Nowak or Nolan Zajac. The Jets' top two receivers, top two targets for quarterback Cooper Nye, they've all been there for a long time. Which receiver is going to have a bigger impact in their big games, Nowak or Zajac?
1: Okay, well, in in uh, fairness to Zajak, I think he's more of a tight end. And, uh, you know, Nowak's coming off the season, I think he had, you know, maybe 38, 39 catches Nine or ten TDs, bunch of yards. Uh, he's a speedster. I would say Nowak, although you know from a from a production standpoint. With with that said, though, Nolan Zajak's a good blocker. Uh, but I, I would think I would think Nowak would be the guy there. He's he's pretty electric player, and you know that's not only my words; that's his coach's words as well. Uh, Jim Duffy said that about Colin Nowak. So I, I would say Colin Nowak there for the
2: Jets. And plus I've seen what young Colin Nowak can do in big games as he ended up scoring the game he scored the game winning touchdown against my Blue Streaks in week one last year. And I got the interview with him too. Mm-hmm. So now we'll move on to the Bedford Kicking Mules. Now this is a team that had some pretty big personnel losses especially on the defensive side. Tommy Hust. All-State defensive end. He's now here at the University of Toledo as a preferred walk-on. They also lost Trey Brueggemann, their outstanding middle linebacker. And the guys who I think are going to step in and replace them are Nolan Lasky and Hunter Poignan. Now, what I want to know, Chris, is between Lasky or Poignan, who will be more of an impact player on defense, given who they have to replace respectfully?
1: Uh... Gosh, I, I I'm going to go with Nolan Lasky here and, uh, in fairness to Hunter, I don't, I don't know a lot about him, but I do know Coach Phillips had mentioned Nolan Lasky to me. Defensive end, 6'3ish or so, 220 pounds. I, I would think he would be the guy that's going to, that's going to, you know, try and replace those big names. I don't know if he can replace those guys, but with that said, I mean, Bedford has a you know they always have a lot of football players that are a good program so they're going they're going to find people and it's just going to be next man up but I would say it's Nolan Lasky.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that, and no disrespect to Hunter, I mean he's got he's got big shoes to fill in as well because Trey Brueggemann was outstanding on both sides of the ball linebacker and at fullback. So I mean he's got work to do, but the thing is, Tommy Hustle was an All stater at defensive end. And he was just a vicious pass rusher. So I think Lasky's going to have his work cut out for him. But I think he can get it done. I think Jim O'Brien's got a couple of nice players to replace some big guys. So moving on to Gibraltar Carlson, there's a bit of a quarterback battle going on up in Marauder Country. Hey, and what I want to know is who's the starter week one? Jackson Zachary or Joe Krolak?
1: That's a great question, Frank. I I think uh, I think both are going to see time. Uh, You know, Jackson Zachary is kind of a a bigger guy. He was a receiver last year. Uh, He's a big, powerful. You know, you know when he runs the ball, and you know they'll probably do a lot of play action with him with uh, Isaiah Wright at running back. So I I could see him. But then uh, Joe Krolak, he's more of a pocket passer. He's probably a little quicker. It really depends on what the, you know, Dan Kelfles, your AD and offensive coordinator over there is going to do this year. I would imagine they're they're going to run the ball a lot because they have the speed Isaiah there, right? But uh, I think both of those guys will, will get opportunities. And then, you know, will one, separate themselves? You know, possibly. But I, I think either one are capable. I will say that, you know, Jackson Zachary started at receiver last year, so, you know, it maybe be easy to move him over there. Um uh,
2: but I, I think both get playing time. Yeah, I could, I definitely could see where if you have both guys on the field, you really got to watch out for a lot of trick plays. But it's really going to—we'll just leave that to Jason Gendron to decide how they get used. Now, the next three teams I'm combining all into one because of one aspect, and that's a quarterback receiver combo. That's Dundee, Erie Mason, and Flat Rock. I felt like I had to do this because. There's quarterback-receiver combos that I absolutely love. Dundee, you've got Ryan Zanger and Braden Whitaker. Erie Mason, you've got Vaughn Brown and Corbin Herrera. And then Flat Rock has Graham Youngie and Alex Gillum. Which one of those quarterback-receiver combos that I mentioned is going to be the most productive?
1: Most productive? Okay. Yes. Well, that's... But I just, uh, Zanger and Whitaker, I think Whitaker is probably the best receiver in the area. Uh, how much they throw the ball will really depend on, on their running game. I, I don't think they're going to zing it all over the place, but uh, I do like that combination. You know, Vaughn Brown to Corbin Herrera, I saw them in the scrimmage over down at Ida. They throw the ball a lot. Uh you know, Herrera's got great hands and in, in Brown puts the ball where it needs to be. And then in, in Youngie and Alex Gillum, and in fairness to uh, maybe Alex, I, Graham's got three or four savers he could throw the ball to. And, and uh, Graham Youngie was our offensive player of the year last year as a sophomore. He set all sorts of Monroe County region records, 30 touchdowns, 2,600 yards or whatever it was. Uh, but I think the way you asked that question, most productive, I would say it would be uh, Von Brown and Corbin Herrera, uh, if we're pointing out two people specifically, just because uh, they're going to throw the ball a lot more and Herrera is going to be the main target for the Eagles.
2: Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, I actually worked the game where Brown ended up tying the state record for most touchdown passes in a half. And Herrera ended up catching, I think, at least half of those passes. is for TDs. I mean, those guys are good. I mean, Zanger and Whitaker, I think Whitaker is going to get the ball a bunch of different ways, not just catching the ball. I think maybe on a fly sweep. He's also a kick returner, and I think he's going to see a lot of action at defensive back as well. Hell, man. As for, I mean, Graham Youngie, I'd say he's the best quarterback in the area. Uh, set the records. I mean, Gillum, I think he's – it might be a stretch, but I could see him having a big year. I know he missed last year with an injury, hey, but I think he's – He's a big son of a gun, six six. Who's going to cover him? I will say, week one, Dundee and Flat Rock are going to meet on the gridiron. and look out for that one. So yeah, I
1: think uh, I think Gillum will have a a huge year in the red zone. Uh, you know how much they use him elsewhere. I don't know, but he is he is tough to guard. I watched them scrimmage the other day against Southgate Anderson. They were trying to go one on one with him, and they couldn't. He's just too big, six six, two twenty super athletic. Uh, So I expect a big year from him as well.
2: Yeah. Now we'll go over to the island. Gro Seal, which for whatever odd reason, they just can never get over the hump in odd-numbered years. But, of course, last year was an (laughs) even-numbered year, and they were just middle of the road. So that possibly means the odd-numbered year jinx could come to an end, but it's going to take players to do so. Now what I asked you was, Will it be Matthew Pizzo, or will it be somebody else? Who is which player is going to be most likely to help end the odd-numbered year jinx?
1: I would I would say from certainly from an offensive mm-hmm. perspective, it would be Matthew Pizzo. You know, he's a guy that you know before the game he's going to be taking tickets. Halftime he'll be selling pop. He'll be uh, he'll be catching passes. Uh, he'll be running the ball. I think last year he had seven or eight touchdowns. You know, he was one of their Behind Swick, he was one of their better receivers. But I, I think you're going to see him in the back backfield. He'll play defense as well. I, I think uh, Matthew Pizzo would be the guy. And those of you who follow uh, our, our football coverage, remember he had a, a brother a couple years ago. The Pizos have been very good at Grosio. I think he'll be the guy for them this year.
2: Yeah. And now we'll jump over to New Boston, Huron, those Chiefs. And now I this I actually wrote this before the preview got posted so what I wanted to know is Brennan Caldwell, Micah Smith, or Christian Copley, who will be a bigger star for the Chiefs?
1: Yeah, that's it. You know, that's it. Uh, there, and, I, and I, I'll go into a little bit of detail on that. Uh, Brennan Caldwell is, as a sophomore, was a really, really good player for the Chiefs. Could run the ball, played linebacker. Uh, what has happened in, in 2022, he... He hurt his knee and had surgery, and then he came back for football season last fall, hurt his knee again. So he's had two surgeries in 2022. I don't think you will see him carry the ball much this year. Uh, he's probably going to be in the backfield and he'll block, but he'll be a heck of a middle linebacker or a linebacker for the Chiefs. Uh, Christian Copley, uh, he's a kid who's going to be, you know, play both ways. And watching the scrimmage the other day, uh, he didn't carry the ball too much. He was, he was back there in the backfield. He did play defense. So I, I think the answer to this question would be Micah Smith. And that's because they moved Micah to quarterback. I didn't even know he played quarterback. Uh, you know, he's, he's probably the most athletic kid on the team. He'll probably still start at linebacker for them. Uh, he, he's a kid who throws in the high eighties and hit the low nineties in summer and baseball throwing the ball. And uh, he was spinning it the other day at the scrimmage. He could throw the ball, and he's super athletic at 6'3". So I think uh, Micah Smith's probably the guy here on.
2: Yeah, and plus his older brother Isaac Smith was a name we mentioned a lot of during his years playing as well.
1: That is true. Yep, that's
2: yes, sir. So now we'll move on to my alma mater, the Ida Blue Streaks. This is a team that seemingly has a lot of sophomores that are going to see time. So what I asked was their quarterback Owen Snyder or running backs, Gavin Albring and Dylan Jarrett, which sophomore is going to be the most impactful for Ida?
1: Yeah, I uh, I don't I don't know the answer to that. Uh, they run the T and they have all five of their linemen back from last year. So it, it the T is always uh, yardage by committee, right? So I think all three of those guys will get a lot of carries. It'll all depend on how teams are defending them and the LCAA. I think you can see either one of those three guys leading the way uh, on any given night. So I, I think they all have big years and a lot of that has to do with just they have a, a veteran line coming back and, you know, that's where you win football games anyways is in the trenches. So, um, you know, Hopefully that kind of roundabout answers your question,
2: Frank. Well, for me, I'm actually going to go with their quarterback Owen Snyder. Who's he's a sophomore, three sport athlete. I've seen him play on the baseball field as a freshman. I think he's going to be probably a lot more dynamic than what Nate Miller was. I mean, I don't know how much. I don't know if he's going to end up throwing the ball much because I just basically just line up and make you eat pizza and run it. But I think he's pro I think he's a lot closer to the mold of a Clay Sampson than he is a Nate Miller. So I'm going Snyder there. We'll now jump over to Jefferson and new coaching staff. And it's Rob Boudry running the show. Oh, he said, uh, has it's not as much of a rebuild as he had at Erie Mason, but again he helped lay the foundation, turn them into a winner. Her, so What I want to know is Luke Boudre, his youngest son, or Malachi Pribble, who was their stud running back last year, who will be more key in getting the Bears back to being respectable?
1: Yeah. uh, So Luke is a freshman. I believe he's going to play quarterback for them. It's asking an awful lot of a freshman to lead a team back to respectability. Uh, Malachi uh, Pribble – had a had a good year last year for the Bears, even though they didn't have a good record, uh, you know, good season record-wise. Uh, I would say, you know, really their success will will center around Malachi Pribble, and if he can if he can have a good season, I think that would be the key for them.
2: Yeah, and plus it's basically a family affair. Jarson Rob is the head coach, Boudreaux the head coach, and his son Noah is going to be the offensive coordinator and then Luke under center so we'll see how, we'll see how that works out. Uh, I don't th- I don't think Jefferson's going to do too much in year 1 but probably in a couple of years I think the Bears they'll be he back. Mm-hmm. So now we move on to Milan. And of course they've had some changes too. They had a bad year last year, a lot of injuries. This year they're moving a the guy who I really like as a running back, Billy Gaskell, downhill Bill, he's now going to be quarterback. Heck, so I'll be interested to see how that works. But what I want to know is, Jackson Warman or Jackson Pulling, who will be a bigger complementary piece to downhill Bill?
1: Oh, gosh. it. Uh, that's a great question, Frank. I, I, I think... I think it'll probably be Warman. Uh He was he was a pretty good receiver for them last year. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where they're going to be playing him this year. It might be a situation to where they put him in the backfield. Uh, but I would I would say him. And it really depends on how teams decide they're going to you know they're going to defend Gasco right. Uh, now, with that said, I know Milan is going to. Change some things up on how they approach things, and um, they might not be the the same Milan Big Reds that you you've seen over the the last few years, uh, or or most of Jesse Hoff. Mm-hmm. But I, they'll be competitive because they have a great coaching staff. So, uh, you know, I, I guess I would go with Jackson Warm in there. I have a quick question for you: How many Jacksons are there this year playing football in the region? No. It seems like there's four or five of them, anyway.
2: Oh, I mean, I can name uh, those two at Milan. There's Jackson Zachary at Carlson, Jackson Wartenberger, a lineman at Ida. And there might be a, might be a couple more in there, too, that I haven't discovered yet.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: So now we'll move on to Monroe. Another coaching change there, Kyle Reed taking over. And Monroe is going back to their roots. They're going to run the football and run it a lot. Which I think is a good thing for them, and it's kind of why I said that they would possibly go five and four this year at least. So what I want to know was between the four running backs I've seen mentioned, Michael Burns, Logan Loveland, Tegan Simmons, or Tanner Collette, which running back is gonna be he the top guy for Monroe? Okay, so they're
1: they're going back to the wing T, right? Is that what they're running?
2: Yes, they are.
1: Okay, so that means a lot of different people are going to carry the ball. Uh, So I think they'll all get carries. Uh, But I think Loveland's the only senior in that group. He was a a starter last year for them. So I think it would probably be Logan Loveland who will probably both of the carries and maybe he has a little bit more experience than the other guys. You know, each of those guys brings something different, uh, you know, whether it's speed or athleticism. But I, I uh, I think Logan Loveland will be that guy.
2: Yeah, well Michael Burns is also a senior too. He was primarily a defensive back last year. They say he's got a lot of speed. But I gotta agree, Loveland's gonna be that guy. I've I've known Logan for a couple of years. Great athlete and an even more outstanding person. I could see he'll be the guy for them, but then Tegan Simmons is kind of more that power back. Kind of the same deal with Tanner Collette as well. And now we'll move on to Riverview the Pirates who got the state semifinal last year here. So we kind of know who they have coming back. Obviously they got the quarterback, Lucas Thompson, their running back room is going to look a little different. They got some guys coming back, but some big names to replace. So what I want to know is, is Max Lockhart, Ian Adams, or some other running back who ends up being their leading rusher. Keep in mind I think it's Adams who has to be the guy who replaces Jacob shank
1: right I, th- I think I think that's probably what's going to happen I mean you know Lockhart was you know he ran for a thousand yards last year in, in 10 Tds I think it was and uh, he's a really good two-way player and he'll be one of the you know the top guys going after that overall Friday night Victors player of the year I think because he's just been good as sophomore and junior year. Uh, I think Ian Adams steps into that fullback position and, and takes over for Shank, and they like to run a lot of quick trap, and uh, Adams is a speedster, and that hole happens to open up when they run trap, and you saw a lot of runs from Shank last year, uh, but it, I mean, was a bet man, I would say it would be Lockhart, but I expect both of them to probably go over 1,000 yards. I mean, they, they run the ball that much, so uh, but I'll go with Lockhart there.
2: And you mentioned Max went over 1,000 yards last year, and that was due to the fact that some games he didn't even play running back because he he had a hand injury and had a cast on him. Still played defense, though, and was still just as good.
1: Yeah, he's a great player.
2: Oh, yeah. And now we'll move to Elm Street, to the SMCC Falcons. They've also got a bit of a quarterback battle going on. So, junior Ian Foster... Or sophomore Brady Hines, who ends up being QB one for the Falcons.
1: Oh, well, I think they're I, th- I think they're both going to get their opportunities to play uh, Foster the junior Hines. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know who's faster in that situation, who's really bigger. Uh, you know, I, I I think they're both going to get opportunities to play the quarterback position in. And whoever it is, I think the other one will get carries somewhere in the backfield. So I, I think they both contribute. Uh, maybe one separates himself during the year. I would say going in though, both of them will get snaps, especially since they're playing Michigan Collegiate, which a lot of people think they have a no chance in that game. I don't, I don't know if I believe that, but you know, Collegiate's loaded, so you know, maybe it's a chance for Coach Kip to uh, out you know, who, who the better person is for that, that position. A lot of times you can't find that out in practice or a scrimmage. Uh, it, it takes game play. So uh, I, I think both of them get the opportunity.
2: Yeah. Although I, from what I've heard, it sounds like it could be e. Hines. I mean, he's got some better bloodlines in that program, and that's nothing against Foster. From what I've heard, it sounds like if Hines wins the competition, Foster may end up playing some running back. Now moving on to Summerfield, they've got a new coach, Dylan Zagaty, was their defensive coordinator last year. He actually spent time at Bedford under John Phillips, brings in Jeff Skabinski, another Bedford assistant to be his offensive coordinator. Summerfield, it's going to be Fear the Veer. They're running the Veer just like Bedford is. And of their three running backs, who who Coach Zagaty mentioned to me, he... Jake Wadsworth, Hayden Nolan, Mitch Gomelinski, which I've dubbed all three the law firm because that sounds like a law firm backfield. Which member ends up leading the team in rushing?
1: Okay, is is, is Petersburg even big enough to need a law firm?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I, I I just did a play on their last names, and apparently there's some fans uh, who love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty cool. I thought that I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, you know what i'll I'll go with Jake Wadsworth just because of his experience and i you know if he can stay healthy i think he's a guy that'll get the ball for the carries you know once again in an offense like that it really it really depends on who, who are the defenses keen on and what are they trying to take away uh but I, if, if I needed a good trial lawyer I'm gonna go with wadsworth
2: mm-hmm. I would have to agree with that in the in the Vera offense, I do love me some fullbacks, so and he's going to be that guy.
0: Taylor Phillips is uh, watching.
2: Hi, Taylor. Mm-hmm. And now uh, we move on to Whiteford, the defending Division 8 state champions. And they've got a lot of guys back. Heck, And of those guys back are their two leading rushers, Jake Iatt and Hunter Abar, And those guys had great years last year on the offensive side of the ball. Oh, I ended up setting the school record for two point conversions. They were both over a thousand yards. So what I want to know is who is more likely to surpass their last year's production on offense, Iatt or debar.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know if if either can. I mean they just had great years, right? I mean I think I had twelve hundred and some yards and twenty touchdowns, and maybe Debar was like I mean, I don't, know if, I don't know if Jake I can surpass that. I mean, 20 touchdowns, so maybe I go with the bar just because maybe he can get in the end zone a few more times. Uh, I don't think it matters. I think they're just loaded again, and they're, you know, is, is, is feeling it. And, uh, you know, it, it, I guess it will depend on play calling. But, you know, they'll both have big years. I just don't know if they could surpass that, right?
2: Well, they will likely have a freshman quarterback starting for them. Trey Eitner, he's the younger brother of Tommy and Ty. Both ended up playing quarterback for the Bobcats with Tommy leading them to a state championship in 17. So, we'll see what happens there. Now, Chris, a bonus question that I came up with on the fly and I'm going to throw at you. Uh, would this be a what I call a root for blog scenario? Because, I mean, we... We start out as a Huron League blog. There's a lot of Huron League fans. If we have a three-way tie for the Huron League between Airport, Flat Rock, and Riverview, one, do you see that happening? And two, how chaotic would the comment section be if that happened? The
1: comment section could always get a little static. I mean, we, we obviously, uh, we... Uh, stuff doesn't get through. What to say, you know, how to describe what we do with the comments. We don't let everything through. But, I mean, it's very possible. I, I really think, yeah, I think it could be a three-way thought. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, I, think, I think, I'll say this, I think Flat Rock has a hard time beating Riverview. Uh, but I think Flat Rock could beat Airport. And then Airport gave Riverview their best game last year. Uh, and defended them really well. So I could see Airport doing that. So I could see that happening. You know, the wild card would be a team like Huron or SMCC jumping up and biting one of those three, which I could see, see happening. Maybe, uh, you know, after, you know, I watched CC scrimmage and I watched Huron scrimmage. I thought, I didn't think CC looked particularly good as I thought they were going to be, uh, the other day, but it is a scrimmage i sure be. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question, but you know, I mean, it, it, it'll be interesting. That that would make it fun, and, and for us, if it's a three-way tie and teams are competing that much, it just means we get thousands and thousands of fans on a weekly basis coming to FridayNightVictors.com. So, I like that.
2: Well, that's what that's why I said it's going to be RFB root for blog. Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, so week one coming up next week. Uh, obviously, you, Gary, and I are going to have to do our video. So any potential hints about where our game of the week could end up being?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I'm going to try and go to the game of the week, and I'm down to two. And uh, it's either Flat Rock at Dundee, and, you know, obviously those teams are – evenly matched. We played each other last year in the playoffs. I think Flat Rock won maybe, what, 27-22? Yes. Around, right? Uh, you know, so there's that. There's you know, the receivers that we mentioned earlier. Uh, Dundee's opening a new stadium. And uh, I went to Flat Rock. So, so there's that. But then you have Carlton Airport going over to Gibraltar Carlson, uh, which I just think is a fantastic matchup. So uh, it could be either of those two games. Uh, I'm missing another one. Is there a third game I should be considering, Frank? I don't. I don't have that stuff in front of me.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm actually probably, glad. I'm glad you asked because I did submit my uh, my uh, preview, my uh, game our must see games. The my portion of the piece that Gary and I will do. Who he's got to fill in. And his stuff. I mentioned Flower and Dundee, Airport and Carlson. A couple others I mentioned Warren Collegiate at SMCC. I mean, I know Collegiate ended up beating them pretty bad last year, but they got to go to Navarre Field, the friendly confines. Hines, and of course, I think everybody knows what happened the last time those two teams met at Navarre. And then I also mentioned Erie Mason at Jefferson as an under the radar game because Rob Boudry was previously at Erie Mason and the seniors at Erie Mason, they were freshmen in his last year there. And plus Steve Bowers was his defensive coordinator. So there's some juicy storylines there.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And, and you know, it's funny that collegiate SMCC game, I was buying in our field the other day. I think they had the grass up to the knees and I thought I saw some lights out. So, uh, there's a uh, little home cooking going on over there at Navarre Field, and uh, you know maybe that helps Central keep that game a little
2: closer. <laughs> well, I, I'm That's planning right. on uh, talking to Jared Janssen, their athletic director, a little bit later on today, so we'll see what he's got for him.
0: Oh, okay. So, doesn't he like to cut his lawn and everything like oh,
2: that? Yeah, well, yeah, I should ask Jared <laughs> if he, you should have Navarre mowed like your grass is mowed. Right, exactly. It'll yeah. look yeah. pristine. He is.
1: He is the long guy. Hey, guys, I have a comment. You guys were talking about the college football while I was waiting on hold. Uh, I don't, I don't, I was looking at Colorado's schedule. They could, they could oaf the season. I don't think they're going to be very good. That's a, that's a tough schedule.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, some people are drinking and, the Deion Sanders juice. So, I mean, I, I don't,
1: I don't see it. I, I think, uh, I love Deion, but I don't, I just don't, I don't see it. I, they, they're not going to beat TCU. You know, maybe Nebraska at home, Colorado State's a rivalry game. You know, Oregon, SC, no, no. UCLA, no. Oregon State has their best
0: team in years. I don't know. I don't, I don't. Anyway. Just could, well, I mean, David, David's still on the line. David, what do you think?
3: No, I, I think that, like with anything, you never know with injuries. Obviously, new coach, new system. There are a lot of. Question is just about that continuity, just because it's a whole new regime and it will take time for Colorado to kind of really get the ball rolling. I just think looking at the schedule, because they have so many difficult games towards the front, and I think that we'll really get a chance to see the dynamics as to what, well, yeah, what we'll see out of this Colorado team. Um, just thinking. With the non-conference slate, yes, TCU will definitely be a tough matchup. Um I think, and I don't know, maybe it's just kind of Big Ten bias, but, like, I don't still, personally, I don't know if Nebraska is for real that kind of there's questions or, yeah. I'm not sure about uh, Nebraska. I think Colorado State's kind of. Up and down Hampshire, Road, you never know what to expect. And, then, yeah, once you get into, non, once you get into the conference late, anything can happen. Um, it does think that some of their most difficult games are on the road, so that will definitely be tough. But, yeah, anything can happen in college football. If there's a shock injury or freak craziness, I mean, no one thought that Kansas would kind of blow teams out the water and end up with such a crazy record even
0: last season yeah yeah but For right now 50, 50 i think w- we're looking at the previews if there's no injuries or anything would happen if you're really looking at it and i guess colorado's the unknown because pretty much they are revamped team but they did only win one game so how much talent did he bring in that's better than last year's talent and come in and really gel right away that's that's the question i think right chris is that this the colorado's the unknown he got rid of most of the bad talent, obviously if he only won one game he's bringing in his own talent but is that talent good enough or better enough than what he's brought in one and two what is it going to take for them to gel to actually you know be a surprise
1: yeah and that was that was my thinking was you know there was a time he didn't even have a full roster right so, and his guy's in but how many of these guys that he actually doesn't even want you know that he opens the door and next year and says see you later yeah. right he's just you know he's just filling positions right now so and i think he did a really nice job where he was at uh and it's going to take a few years i just don't i just don't think they have the roster uh to complete this year so that's just my two cents
2: yeah and my biggest thing was depth i mean they've got i mean he coach prime did bring some nice guys there brought travis hunter with him two way player but he's playing both ways and that's tough to do in the college game I mean, Shader Sanders, his son I'm hearing, could be his quarterback, and beyond that, there's not a lot of depth, and if you lose guys to injuries or whatnot, you're in trouble. I mean, really, I think the only team they might stand a chance of beating is Stanford, mm-hmm. because Stanford's completely changing offenses as well. They're going to an air raid, and they're going to be pretty awful this year, so...
0: Yeah, like I said, it, the, I think the unknown and what he's recovering, and it, it takes a lot more in, in the Power Five to really rebuild a program. You just just don't know. And, and this could be a preview year for Colorado where he's seeing what he's got. Now, okay, you're good, you're good, you're bad, you're bad. Get out of here. We're going to the transfer portal. So, if anything, I think the best thing that might happen to Colorado is they double their wins and they win two games instead of one. But I think it's going to be a rough season. I think it's going to be a rough season for Colorado with the unknown. And the best I think they'll get is it will be fantastic is if he just goes 500. If he goes 500, he really accomplished a lot. But I'm not expecting much from Colorado at this point right now. That's just me. Yeah. All right. Continue.
2: we got a few more minutes. I mean, Chris, I don't know if you caught what I said about the Big 12 where I'm saying that this is the year Texas is back.
1: It, yeah. I mean, they could be. It's. It's. I don't know how Texas is not successful every year. They have so much talent down there. It, uh, my older brother lived in Texas for twenty years, and you know everybody knows about high school football in Texas. But he it, said it's just, it's just a different animal. There are so many great players, and, and Texas always gets players. It's just how are they not successful? And it's like. It's almost like they've gotten their in, in their own way recently, but uh, I, I would agree with you though. I think I think Texas will be good this year. It's it's just you know are they are they jinxed or something at this point? You know, I mean it's been a good what 13, 14 years since they've been really really good, um, and it seems like every year they have a decent enough roster to where they should be successful, uh, especially playing in the Big glow.
2: So. Yeah, and. I mean, personally, I thought they should have beat Alabama last year had Quinn Ewers not died during the game.
1: Yeah, they had that game won and, and kind of, you know, Alabama escaped and, you know, uh, probably because of Saban. Yeah. Know? But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the Big 12 this year. And I don't, you know, I think it's easier because I don't think Oklahoma is what they used to be. And I don't, I don't know if they ever will be, you know, especially when they move to the, the SEC. Yeah, uh,
2: I'll say it right now. Oklahoma's first year in the SEC it's gonna be a disaster and then also speaking of the SEC I'm in the camp that this is the year that Alabama does not win 10 games in the regular season I don't like who who they have at quarterback they don't have any NFL wide receivers they don't have really good running any NFL caliber running backs And they're undisciplined. I say they don't. David thinks that they're going to win the SEC this year. Whose camp are you in?
1: Well, you know, year in and year out, Alabama has more five-star people than anybody else. So, you know, they might have people that we just don't know about. You know, obviously they sent some guys to the pros, and you you had said earlier that they weren't very disciplined last year. Uh, I think that changes. I don't think you'll see that two years in a row out of a saving coach team. Uh, you know, I, I Georgia graduated a lot, but they're the two-time defending champs. So I don't know. You know, it could be anybody in the SEC. I mean, LSU. You know, they really they really look like they have a nice team this year too. So uh, you know, if I was a betting man, it would be yeah, Georgia, Alabama, and the in the uh, championship game, and you know, who knows from there?
2: Yeah, I th- I still think LSU comes out of the west. And also, just to wrap it up real quick, I've said that the biggest threat to Michigan in the East is not Ohio State, but Penn State. Because Michigan does have to go to Happy Valley this year. And kind of like how I said with how we can have a three-way tie in the Huron League, a three-way tie in the Big Ten East between Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, where each ends up with one loss in the regular season. Realistic or not?
1: Yeah, I think that could happen. I mean, you know... Uh, Michigan having to go to Penn State uh, is tough. And I know there's been talk about it. It's not going to be a night game, which I think Penn State was hoping for. It's a noon start.
2: Yeah, it's a big noon favors, on Fox.
1: I, I think that favors, you know, Michigan. Do, do they win that game? I don't know. I mean, Michigan's loaded, right? And and uh, I think Michigan's a better coached team than Penn State is. I mean, really the unknown is, you know who's going to be quarterback at Ohio State and then you know Ohio State always has talent so uh you know I think it's I think Michigan probably wins the Big 10 but you know who knows I mean it's it's going to be it's going to be a fun year in college football it'll be interesting
2: yeah it I will think be a bigger
1: question I think a bigger question would be is how bad are my Michigan State Spartans going to be
2: <laughs> well look I've said yeah. Mel Tucker's got to win at least 8 games this year or the heat's really going to be on
1: well, I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think he's got to go 500 uh, because they have the toughest schedule in the Big Ten. So I, I think he's kind of got a stacked deck this year. But I do think he needs to win six games. Will that happen? No, I don't. I don't think they will. So I do think he'll be on the hot seat. Uh, if they could win eight games, heck, I'd be ecstatic. Because I, I don't. I don't think there's any way they win that many games. Hmm.
0: Well we shall see oh you know, Chris thanks so much for yeah. calling in on Friday night Victors. Where can we uh see your material at
1: Yeah, it's at uh it's at uh, dot com and uh you know we've we've done previews on ten teams already we got another six that will be going up over the weekend mm-hmm. we uh' we'll have a show that we do on Monday. We record it on Monday and it'll be up Monday night. You can see that on on the website or or just you know. Uh, search on YouTube, you know, Friday Night Victors. We'll talk about some of the games and, you know, that are going on. But, uh, you know, we've got scores on Friday nights. But, you know, I tell you what, August and September, September we'll have 100,000 people visit the site. So, uh, you know, come and check it out. And, you know, we're not just a – you know, it's local football coverage, but we're not just – you know, we're not just – posing stats and stuff like that we do give commentary so it's a little bit different than other people do right there's great media out there that cover the teams but we kind of add a different perspective kind of like what we did today you know where frank's asking questions and and we're getting in to specific players you don't see that a lot of times uh, from other coverage so uh, check us out please at fridaynightvictors.com
0: and by the way frank is the chairman in chief of the Ida area. Every time I see someone at a basketball tournament, I ask them who Frank Bashner is and they go, I know Frank and Frank is a celebrity.
1: Hmm. Well, I can tell you this. He's the best guy that we have on our website. Uh, Gary and I, you know, we were just treading water there. And then when we brought Frank on, things really took off. So uh, we, we both adore Frank. And I know the fans always ask me about Frank. They're always like, is he that genuine? And it's like, Frank is the most genuine guy. He will tell you what he's thinking, and uh, and he knows his stuff. So, and, and you guys know that, you know, obviously from the show. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks so much, Chris, for calling in. Thanks, Chris.
1: All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate right. it.
0: That was Chris Schultz from Friday Night Victors. David, what do you got going on this weekend?
3: There's another weekend. For American world, or world Football, American Baseball. One step closer to the start of Week Zero. On
0: college football next week. Mm-hmm. Okay, man, enjoy that, David. we yeah, Will do. Thanks for the commentary. Frank, what you got going on?
2: Uh, I've got to work on a couple more previews for Victor's. My Whiteford preview and my Bedford preview. Get those done. Mm-hmm. Those will be coming up. And then also watch out for the best games of the year. i got to wait for Gary to put his stuff in. We did a little different. I did the odd-numbered weeks. He's doing the even-numbered weeks.
0: Remember, there's only nine weeks in... Uh Michigan football,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, are you back next week? Uh, I'm not sure at this point in time yet. I got to see what the officiating schedule is. Things are a little bit up in the air. And okay. who knows? Week,
0: week zero, bro. Week zero of college football, and week one of Michigan football, and week two of high school, Ohio high school football. Yep. All right, Frank. Well, once again, thanks so much for joining us. Great segment there. With uh, Chris Schultz from Friday Night Victor's, as you're part of that organization. Also, thanks to David, the man who got hairs from the AFC NFC East previews. The NFC East preview is already up on SoundCloud, so make sure you check us out, SoundCloud and iTunes. Picture of Frank Bastion, the horse's head. For David and Frank, I'm Derek Lawson. It's been a presentation of 88.3 WXUTs. After further review, we'll see you when you see you. Peace. We're out.